What would you say you do here? Hello, friends. Welcome to the What Would You Say You Do Here podcast. I'm your host, Dan Gale, the president of Leona Marketing Group. Each week, we're planning to talk to the movers and shakers in sports that have some unique roles to ask them, what would you say you do here? Hello, friends, and welcome to this week's edition of the What Would You Say You Do Here podcast, powered by Leona Marketing Group. This week, we are joined by a former New York Yankee who then went into fundraising, became the AD at Furman, and is now the Director of Athletics at Army West Point, Mike Buddy. Mike, how are you? Doing great, Dan. Appreciate you having me on, brother. Well, I appreciate having you, man. How are you guys doing up at Army West Point right now? Doing great. We got about 20 inches of snow, but yeah, we're doing great. There's a light, there's a light coming at the end of the tunnel. I think it's got us all pretty excited. Well, I appreciate you jumping on, and we're going to start with the tough question we ask everybody. What would you say you actually do here? Yeah. Yeah, so great movie reference, by the way. I hope I hope people get it. Um, so you know, the way I boil it down, Dan, is you know, as an athletics administrator, we all we all work for for student athletes, right? So cadet athletes here at, at West Point, as you know. But um, what I do is I try to put the pieces and the people and the resources in place to make sure that that our young people ha- have an extraordinary Division One athletics experience, and so being able to compete for championships. At whatever level you you might find yourself at is is first and foremost to what we do, and so we we define an extraordinary uh, ex- experience by you know apparel and shoes and fans in the stands and getting to to compete in different regions of the country uh, to feel like a Power Five athlete as often as possible. Power Five athletes are treated that way every day. Uh, at Army West Point, you know, our young people, they don't get a fifth year of eligibility. They are here for 47 months and then they go and serve our country and defend defend the Constitution. So we're very unique. Um, but even when I was at Furman or, or my time at Wake Forest, it was always about the student athletes. And, uh, you know, we can never lose sight of that. And so that's that's the, the simplest answer to what do I do here? Well, appreciate that response. And you've been in the news a lot this year because of that fighting for your your student athlete, your cadet student athletes in terms of getting a football schedule. You know, you, you had a football schedule. It blew up. And, and for those listening, Army West Point is an independent, F, you know, FBS level. You had a different path of, of everybody else. Talk us through how crazy this fall was for you and how many different schedules did you guys come up with during the season? Well, yeah, we lost count, honestly. So, you know, we had a 12-game schedule. Um, we ended up playing three of the original 12. And, of course, two of them are our sister academies in, in Air Force and Navy. So th- so they fought through. And then Tulane was the only other uh, team that was originally on our schedule that we were able to have. So so we had to find nine new opponents um, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of, you know, civil unrest and, you know, political presidential votes. And so – it was interesting. Um, we tried not to get frustrated. You know, we we have we have some advantages, obviously, when it comes to that. So we knew once our cadets were back here at West Point, they weren't allowed to leave. And so once they tested negative, um, the the likelihood of them becoming positive was solely based on faculty and staff who live outside the gates that would come in every day. And so um, 
it was hard for me to fully comprehend some of the challenges that other schools had at civilian institutions, but they, they literally, once it got in, it's hard to get out. And, and we were fortunate. It didn't really kind of infiltrate our ranks until late in the season, but then even we had trouble kind of containing it. And so it was madness. I will say, I thought administrators this year as a whole were really flexible in, a, in an industry that's not known for its flexibility. The NCAA has, has learned to kind of use a lot of common sense and, and try to allow athletes the chance to compete. And so it was great. You know, I was a huge fan to, to watch BYU and Coastal Carolina play that football game on three days notice. Like that's, that was so those kids could compete. And other than Coastal Carolina, a lot of people don't remember who won that game. They just knew those kids got to play an awesome football game and, and we got to enjoy it as spectators. And uh, it's not all bad that we get reminded that it's it, at the end of the day, it's about co competing and trying to to become the best that you can be at your sport. I was lucky enough to get up and see one of those games this year after quarantining and taking a test and, and seeing that experience. And you created the experience not only for the student athletes on the field, but also for the cadets itself. And, and how that was a little bit different from a lot of other places where students couldn't be there. You know, so every one of your cadets went to every game, correct? That was home? That's right. Yeah, we're fortunate to have a, a built-in fan base of 4,000. Um, and for us, it was as much to provide an outlet for the cadets and to get them out of their barracks. Um, some days were cold or rainy or snowy and, and they didn't love being there. And we certainly, we understand that, but, but it's a part of the experience here at West Point where you go and you support the, the brave old army team. And, and I know the guys on the team appreciate it. And they, they, they loved having them there. Um, we were able to go on the road. We played at Texas San Antonio that, that had fans. Um, we played at Tulane that had a small uh, allowance of fans in Cincinnati. And I'll say being able to play in front of 4,000 of your classmates was the best experience uh, out of all of them that, that I was able to be a part of. And, and again, we were, we were lucky and thankful to have that opportunity. So then the season goes on and then Army Navy, you get to host. Did you ever envision having that opportunity, you know, in your lifetime of Army Navy being at Army West Point hadn't happened since, what, 1945? And what was that experience like? And the steps leading up to it had to be crazy. Yeah, um, you know, you and I stayed in regular contact during that period because we we were doing some other business stuff. And, you know, every week it was something it was exhilarating and then frustrating. And, um, you know, I, I give Chet Gladchuck a ton of credit. He and I, from the minute the pandemic started and we thought this might affect football season, we just said, We've got to protect. We've got to protect America's game. The, the crown jewel of of our academies is Army Navy. We had the date. The date wasn't going to move. And for us, it was we've got to hold true to the the intent of that game, and that is to have the entire brigade of midshipmen and the entire corps of cadets there watching their teams try to pulverize each other. And so, um, you know, Chet said, "Hey, if it if it, if push comes to shove, and we can't do it in Philadelphia, who's been a great partner of us and." Uh, we need to look at other opportunities. And, and our, our football stadium, as luck would have it, is on post. It's inside the gates. And it was also our season to be the home team. And so we floated that idea. When it became clear it wasn't going to work in Philly, we just shifted quickly. And it was great. We high-fived. And then we said, holy crap, like now we have to host the game at our stadium, which at the time we had an outgoing president and an incoming president. And we weren't sure which president was going to want to be there. And you know, those, those little logistics that the idea of hosting that game is great, but then the reality of it, there's a lot of work to be done. So I'm, I'm fortunate to have a phenomenal staff that was able to pull that off. And then to get the win was, was icing on the cake. And have game day there showing off the, the beautiful 
stadium, the landscape, everything. It, it just perfect setting and couldn't have been better. Well, then you get to the bowl game, you know, of you're the first team in the country to accept a bowl bid, and then that bowl doesn't happen. So talk, talk a little bit about just flexibility and, and, and fighting for the cadet athletes to get that opportunity, then ultimately playing in what was probably one of the most competitive bowl games that happened, you know. Yeah, again, a microcosm of 2020. <laughs> we were supposed to play Air Force, um, you know, the, 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 three, the three-headed monster, the three of us that play each other for the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. We were supposed to play them in November. Um, we weren't able to do it in November, so we, we had to squeeze them in the week after we played Navy, which is always just an absolute barroom brawl. Um, so we had to, to play the Navy game, regroup, play the Air Force game, regroup, get ready to go to the Independence Bowl. And um, as you mentioned, we, had, we, had, we got our sixth win pretty early in the season and, and accepted the, the invitation. And, and unfortunately, Missy Setters and her great team down at the Independence Bowl were unable to find us an opponent. It, it, we, were, we were in constant contact with ESPN, T, our CBS partners, and Missy just saying, hey, if you give teams an option to either play in your bowl, to play Army in your bowl or not play in a bowl game, some of them with the financial guarantees being less this year. You know, I think it was hard for her to find somebody who was willing to to reward their team with come play a triple option team, right? That's gonna it's gonna punch you every every play. So um, unfortunately, we were we were the la- we were the last man standing without a dance partner. And so um, you know, we took to social media just to make it clear that our our young men, instead of going home to celebrate Christmas and relaxing, they said, "Is there any chance that that we could find an opportunity to play?" And of course, anybody that paid attention knew that there would probably be that opportunity. And so it was less than 24 hours later, the Liberty Bowl had to pivot. Um, and, and we were, because we were the last people standing and we had made it public that, that we were keeping our team here and hoping for the opportunity um, that presented itself. And Shane Lyons and his crew at West Virginia uh, handled it extremely well and said, hey, yeah, we, our kids want to play in a bowl game too. It's the right thing to do. We were sitting there, you know, at, at nine and two without a bowl game and 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 they, they bought in and, and gave us the opportunity. And as you mentioned, it was a great football game. We ended up on the short end of the stick, but great experience for our young men. Oh, and, that, and that's great. And, and you talked about it, taking the social media. You know, one of the things next to talk about was your path to the chair and you know, played minor league baseball. Yeah, I mentioned the Yankees, but I didn't mention all the hard work that went up to it. Um, and, and that mentality, and, and it's something I've heard you talk about. Just uh, For those listening, I've gotten the pleasure of working with Mike when he was at Furman and at Army on multiple projects and, and enjoy it. Uh, on that side, but you talk about your path of having a minor league mentality at some times. What does that mean, and, and how do you use that to help the major brand that you're now working with? Yeah, so really, for me, you know, it's, it was my personal journey. Um, you know, I'm convinced that the only reason I'm an athletic director is because I played minor league baseball. And by the way, I wasn't very good. So, like, I had to get every possible advantage. And that's what athletic directors do. Like, we scratch and claw for every inch, because if you don't, someone else is going to get that inch and their athletes are going to have a a better experience or be in a better position. And so um, when I retired from my 13 year professional career, I was hired at $32,000 a year to be an assistant director of development at my alma mater. And and that was fine. I was thrilled. I was ecstatic. Uh, It wasn't about the money at that point. It was I was now a single A baseball player and I knew to get to become a high A baseball player or, you know, an assistant athletic director, I was going to have to out hustle, outperform, 
I was going to have to know every bunt play and pickoff play and field my position and have a good pickoff move. And so that was that was my mentality. It was I, I need to find a way to create, make a, a $500 donor into a $1,000 donor. I needed to develop relationships with people on campus, whether it was faculty or staff. I needed to learn about coaching and what their challenges are and become a resource for them. And so I was able to continue to check things off to get to high A and double A. And eventually, you know, I, I made it to a triple A AAA level there at Wake Forest. And and then that turned into an opportunity to to get to Furman, where I started all over again, because we weren't the best team in the Southern Conference in in all of our sports. And so you just set your sights again. What do we have to do to keep getting better and better and better? And it, it creates a, 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 just a culture of constant improvement. So what did you learn from that first time sitting in the chair at Furman to now coming into Army West Point? Wow. Uh, well, I learned a, a ton, right? And, and I'm still learning. Uh, the, the need to be as transparent as possible. Um, as a development guy, I, I, I often felt the need, and I still do personally and professionally, I feel the need to be a pleaser, um, to try to find a way to, to say yes to everything, and you just can't, uh, especially once you're the decision maker. You know, Every decision that I make is going to make half of our department happy and half of them unhappy, um, in theory. And so just being at comfort, you know, understanding the core values of, of your, your own personal core values and the core values of your institution, because it helps you, know, it helps you make those decisions. And it really shoots down any opposition that says, hey, you, 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 you decided to go with this company instead of this company. And you just point to the core values and say, hey, we want to provide an extraordinary Division One uh, experience for our cadet athletes. And this company gives us a better chance of doing that. Um, and it simplifies things and it gives you like that true north. And I used to sit through the the NACTA presentations and the, the D1 Institute stuff and the lead ones and just think these guys keep talking about core values, core values. And I just kind of rolled my eyes. And and here I am, you know, six years into being an athletic director. And it's truly uh, the most important thing that you do, um, because you, you've got to always have an understanding of who you are and who you're not and what guides your decision making process. So what advice do you have for those that are coming into that chair as the $32,000 assistant AD and want to ultimately sit in your chair one day? Yeah, at the simplest form, Dan, it's do your job and more. Um, a lot of people get hired at a job at a great organization. You know, you get your dream job at, at the University of Delaware, and it's not the job you want, but you want to be at the University of Delaware. And so you ignore the job that you were hired to do and you start gravitating towards what you want to do. Um, when I signed a professional contract, I wanted to pitch in the Bronx for the New York Yankees. That's not how it works. I had to, I had to go to Oneana, New York and pitch in front of 11 people, right? And so uh, you get the opportunity. It's really important who you're working for. So find people within that organization um, that you look up to for, for, their, for their values or for their work ethic or for whatever it might be. Um, and then, you know, network, meet other people. They become very important to you later in your career, as you, as you and I both know. Um, but for me, at the foremost, it's get in there, have a minor league mentality, understand what your job is and crush it. So I had fundraising goals. I had, you know, call, call logs that I had to meet with so many people a month. And I did that and I, and I exceeded those numbers. But then I also carved out time to go talk to the assistant basketball coach about their career path try to sit in with the athletic director. I used to go to um, baseball games because I enjoyed baseball, but I also knew our athletic director liked baseball. 
And that was three hours on a Tuesday afternoon watching the Wake Forest Elon baseball game that I got to pick his brain. He got to know me. I got to know him. And so um, I was volunteering to do more, but I made sure that he understood, hey, I understand what my real job is and, and I'm fully focused on that. But I'd like you know some side projects to help grow me as a, as a person and professionally. That's great advice. Do do the job you have and and learn learn how to get that next job. And you know the, the last thing I ask everybody that comes on here is what's keeping you up at night right now in your role? Um, the future of our of our enterprise. Uh, it, it's crazy. Um, I you know I, I've had the the blessing of getting to know a lot of Power Five athletic directors. A couple a couple have retired recently, and and we've had that conversation. The, the unknown of COVID, the unknown of our political situation as a country, uh, the unknown of our Congress people and senators really going to start steering what we can and can't do uh, from an NCAA perspective, the name, image, and likeness, the lawsuits that are coming, all of those things are kind of hitting us all at the same time. In the middle of a pandemic where we've lost NCAA uh, revenues, we're certainly losing ticket revenues. And so the uncertainty of what's next um, and, and I'm probably I probably am more sensitive to it than most because as a former Olympic sport athlete, it's important to me that that our backup women's lacrosse goalkeeper has just as great of an experience as our starting point guard or quarterback. You know, they don't get to do it in front of 50,000 people, but it's just as important to them. It's just as important to me as the, the, the people who do get to do it in front of 50,000 people. And so with all this unknown, you don't know. We have 30 varsity sports here here at Army West Point. And if we could have 35, I would welcome it. But, you know, with with the way things are, it's a tough time. And we we see it on in every corner of of the, the national landscape right now. There are challenges. But again, the the the, the smart people, the the well-equipped people see challenges as opportunities. And so we'll we'll adapt and, and figure out what opportunities exist for us. Um, but that certainly keeps me up at night. Well, Mike, appreciate it. No, it's a crazy time. So we appreciate you taking uh, 15 minutes out of your day to talk with us and share about your career and and look forward to getting up to Army Navy next year. So the 20th anniversary of 9-11 in New York, that's going to have to be pretty exciting. It's going to be unbelievable. And so obviously we're, we're hoping and praying for, for lots of reasons that our country is is safe and, and back. And these, these vaccines have, have done what we hope they do because we've got, we've got 82,000 seats to fill down there at MetLife Stadium. Uh, and recognize 20 years after the 9-11 tragedy that we'll be back in New York City with with the, the great young men from the Naval Academy, uh, hopefully falling just short to the great young men of the United States Military Academy yet again. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. I know you'll be there. Look forward to seeing you there, man. Well, perfect. Thanks, Mike, for your time and I look forward to talking again soon. Thanks, Dan. There you have it. Mike Buddy. Director of Athletics at Army West Point, filling us in on his career path, some advice, the crazy year that was the 2020 football season for the Army cadets, and a little bit of hope for 2021 in the Army-Navy game in New York City. As always, it's great to catch up with Mike and hear about the wonderful things going on at West Point and learn a little bit more about his career. So for another week, I'm your host, Dan Gale, signing off. Stay safe.